Mindfulness Mode, 299. You inhale what is and exhale what will be. You're listening to Mindfulness Mode, and I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks for joining again today. If you like the show, please subscribe so you won't miss any more episodes. I would appreciate if you left a message after you hear today's show. Let me know what you thought of it. You can leave a message at the bottom of the show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. You can also send me a message directly at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. I'll read your comment on an upcoming show well as you know we're almost at 300 episodes and I'm so excited I am going to be sending gifts out for my listeners and I'll tell you what I've been telling you please leave a message for me please send me an email it gives me a lot of encouragement to keep going and if you have done that during February I will send you a gift so Make sure that you do mention that you've subscribed to the show when you send a message. I'll send you a gift, a Mindfulness Mode mug. Send me a message, mention you've subscribed. Just like I said, you can send me the message to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. My guest on episode 300 coming up is a television celebrity, a Dr. Phil regular. She's appeared on many TV shows. She's a health and fitness and mindfulness expert. I can't wait to introduce JJ Virgin on the next episode. So exciting. Today, my guest is all about mindfulness. She's a Tantra expert. She's a survivor. She's an author. And I would say she's a vibrant, no-nonsense woman who gets right down to the basics and shares her wisdom. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Tanya. Hey, Mindful Tribe. I have a wonderful special guest with me today, a friend from way back. We're going to have an awesome time chatting. I have Tanya Diamond with me today. Hey, Tanya, are you in mindfulness mode? Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. It's great to see you. You're so vibrant. You've got so many things going on. Well, you know, first of all, I want to share a little bit about you. Tanya Diamond is a Tantra master, and she's a coach extraordinaire. She's the creator of the High Speed Evolution Coaching Program. Tanya and her coaching team are dedicated to helping people get unstuck in life, in love, and in money. Tanya is also known for expertise in the area, like I said, of Tantra, of sex, teens, parenting, and she's garnered over 18,000 hours of coaching and consulting time over the past 30 years. Tanya has been called the coach's coach. So that's kind of (laughs) cool. So (laughs) what does mindfulness mean to you, Tanya? Well, thanks for that awesome introduction, Bruce. And I said, we called some other things too. But <laughs> so, so mindfulness to me really is about being conscious in what you're thinking, what your words are, and how you present yourself. But it's a state of focused attention. You know, some people use the word presence. Yes. Yes, yeah. they do. And so being the Tantra lady... That's been one of your that's been one of your areas for quite a while, hasn't it? And isn't that all about being present? Well, tantra itself, uh, there's tantra, which is a lineage uh, 
technology for transformation, and then there's neo-tantra, which is what the West mostly knows about. But either, both of those, one of the core foundations is, yes, how to be aware, how to be conscious, and how to show up in a way that brings your entire presence and focus to one moment and just exactly what you're doing in there. So yes, that has very much been a practice of mine for, yeah, over, it's crazy to say it, 30 years. I <laughs> it is crazy <laughs> with that. because it doesn't, it doesn't seem possible. No, Absolutely no, not. It doesn't. So yes, I, I think that, um, not only do I think I know that basically that ability to be mindful and that ability to be, bring presence is something that has so much value and has really propelled and expanded my life in such a way that it, it could never have without it. And you've helped so many people to achieve that same goal. Now, we don't all know what our goal is. That's one of the problems, right. isn't it? But you help people to find their way. And sometimes it's through Tantra. Do you think life starts with sex or ends with sex? That's an awesome question. <laughs> Let's see. Does life start with sex or end with sex? Hmm. That could get into a major, big philosophical, spiritual debate. I think, That's why we're here. I know. I think that uh, <laughs> I would have to say life starts with an, a, with an actual, speaking of mindfulness, Life starts with that life force energy meeting material matter and a focused agreement that manifests into human form that is then created through a conscious act or unconscious act of sex. Because, you know, you can be conscious or unconscious when you're doing that. And, you know, life ends with breath and it starts with breath as far as the physical container. And breath is the absolute most important uh, practice if you want to be mindful, if you want to be focused, if you want to be aware. Inhalation is our inspiration, right? Oh, I love that. Inhalation is our inspiration. That's right. Yes. Well, I want to be conscious, and you can help me to be more conscious, right? Isn't that what you do every <laughs> single day? Every single day. First of all and foremost, I address my own evolution of conscious awakeness, mindfulness. By starting out the morning, when the first thing that I do, even before I open my eyes, is that I check into my body. I take my- and How do you do that? Yeah, I was gonna say, I take, if, any, if there's any inkling of something that's gonna whirl in my head, like, oh my gosh, I've got, I'd stop that. I take a really deep inhale into my belly. I put my hands on my body. So I connect into my body and I just go, okay. I'm just gonna breathe. And I'm going to bring all of my energy down all the way, all the way down, all the way to my perineum and my tailbone. So really deep, low, deep down. And you can even hear my voice drop as I bring all that energy down. And then I just want to be there, totally present, focused, feeling my body. What does my body feel like on the bed? What do the sheets feel like? What does the temperature feel like? Is there any pain? Is there any anything going on, any arousal, any pain, heartache, any, anything, and just be totally and completely focused on that for at least two, three, five minutes. And do you use the pelvic floor terminology? Do you think of breathing down yeah. to the base of your pelvic yeah, floor? Yeah, to the tailbone and the perineum. And in fact, if you wake up and you can't, like you're, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to breathe all the way down there. But the reality is 
you're disconnected like most people. Most people are living up here right now, yes. all us head stuff. Yes. So you may be going like, well, how, how the heck time do I even get there? Well, you could pulse those muscles. You can contract your anus, you can contract your vagina, you can contract your penis, and you can pull up and feel you're like, oh, that takes instantly if you do that, contract right now, you'll go there. And in our society, don't we tend to avoid that area and that <laughs> thought? And <laughs> well, we do two things. What do we do? We avoid it and we um, obsess on it. So we're in okay. two, we're two extremes. We're pornified or we're in avoidance. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, Which are both not good. Right. Both of those things are extremely away from consciousness. Yes. So we, uh, yeah, we just want to head out. It's like, oh, well, we don't think about down there unless no, it's of course. appropriate. Or we think about down there all the time in a way of giving our energy away and trying to get something for it. But actually to live, I I teach a thing called peak arousal, which really means to live completely and fully in not just arousal in your genitals, but your entire body. Like take that life force energy and just, you know, turn it on, turn it up and be, that's really probably the ultimate in consciousness. And what happens when you do that, you'll love this one too is you inhale what is and exhale what will be. I do love that. Exhale what will be. Yep. So inhaling what is, being current, present, without the story of your life, just what is now. Exhaling your potential and where it is you want to place your next. And if you were to do that as a Tantra master, literally you could do that every single breath would be that. Hmm. Wow. I'm just feeling more in touch with myself, even just talking with you right now, which I'm sure isn't surprising. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're doing so many things, and you mentioned before I hit record that you've got some projects going on right now. Do you want to share with us a little bit about what you're working on? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm one of those people that's pretty well on fire, as you know. <laughs> I know that. You're always on fire about what you're working on. <laughs> Most of the time. And I have this lofty vision of building this empire that basically helps, you know, one person at a time live in this state of peak experience and peak arousal. And so to that end, I've developed, you know, that personal uh, personal development program that helps people really connect with themselves. And I call it the art of insourcing where they learn to actually reverse engineer evolution instead of being pressured from the outside forces to evolve. We create internal will to evolve and evolution is created so that we wait, right? We wait. Yes. It's about time. So bad, it's chaotic, whatever that we have to be forced out of our situation. And when you wait for that, you're really letting, you don't have personal freedom. You're allowing other things to make decisions and choices and and you're being unconscious as well when you do that. So the uh, empire is really built around this high speed evolution, which is created from Tantra material. Right. (laughs) To to be able to, uh, we'll let go of old programs and old patterns and really step into the void of who you are without the programs that you were given, who you truly and and awake when you're awake who are you and it's kind of scary practice because when you change those neural pathways you know our neural pathways are set right the programs the super highways in our mind and you're so used to running on that that when you break them and you start not going to houston all the time but you're taking some road off the side 
what happens all of a sudden when that whole neural pathway switches, you're standing looking into the void. It's like facing death. You no longer are who you were. Now you have to forge the new path. Now you are the pioneer and explorer of your life. And that requires that you are what I call integrated on all cylinders of your body, not just your head, not just your heart, not just your crotch, but every body wisdom you possess to know what path do I forge ahead? How do I step into my reality? Well, I have a question sure. about your coaching. I know you have a team of coaches. Yeah. Do you do you train all your coaches so that they all are coming from the same place or are they all kind of like their own people and you interview someone and you say, oh, I think you'd be perfect for Becky or how, how does this work? Well, my coaching program for High Speed Evolution is the most rigorous training in the world of personal industry. My coaches have to go through a five level, each level is six months, so two and a half years of their own personal development work before I invite them to be a coach. So you can't buy my program. You have to be invited. I have to see you do the stuff. So you could say to me, Tanya, I want to be one of your coaches. And I'm like, cool, start the program. And you're like, okay, when do I get to be a coach? And I said, I'll let you know around level four if you make it. So I have to take so maybe the whole in three thing or four then, years. Yeah. So I take the whole thing and then don't even know if I'm going to be a coach. And I'm like, that's right. And why don't you have any men coaches? Well, I have three or coming do up this year. I have so my oh, first four that I that I trained were women. And okay. this year, three men that have been in my program are stepping up to go into the training. Well, that will really change the dynamic, won't it? Because don't you feel that there's very different energies around the masculine? Yes. Once you get masculine coaches, feminine, you know, you're you're really yeah. uh, going to offer so much more to yeah. your clients. We're really we're really excited. These men are really amazing, amazing men, of course, and I'm really excited to to bring there. And so then, as far as each coach, they they actually teach the program, but each coach is also picked for certain gifts that they have as well. Okay. One of my coaches I call the Oracle because she is so incredibly tuned into the psychic world that she like blows away what she does as far as energetics. One of them I call my Sphinx because she, she's got this attachment to the upper and the lower parts of the world that is amazing. I've got my deaf master. She's kind of a nomad. She wanders the world. And then I've got the mother, what mother wisdom. She lives in Australia and she's just like embodies family and mother. And so it's really exciting to see uh, each of them bring their talents because I don't want clones. You know, they bring no, talents, no, of course not. Right. To the, program that they coach. And so it's uh, exciting. Tanya, what are some of the main reasons people reach out to you for coaching? Can you narrow it down into two or three main areas? Wouldn't that be great? Life, yeah. Love, life, money. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there we go. End of that discussion. Of, love, life, and money. find me, um, you know, because my name, if you Google my name, you'll find my Tantra stuff first because I've yes. held back my personal development um, as we've been really solidifying the formatting of the program and stuff. Even though it's been going on for a long time, I haven't really brought it front and center. So I'm known for um, Tantra and sex, sexuality and that. So mostly, you know, people will say, hey, you know, I have this relationship problem or I want to know more about how to please my woman. I get a lot, I have a lot of male clientele. And oh, we start with this whole idea where they think they're going to learn some techniques. Yes. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's little, what that's the way we think. Yeah. Just I'm sure you knew that. Give me the password. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I always say, well, here's the password. You're gonna start to learn how to breathe. And they're all like, what? Well, how is that gonna help? And I'm like, dude, when you can show up 100 percent in your body, inhabiting yourself in total presence to that woman, there is no technique you will ever need besides that. So oh, cool. You know, so they go on and most of my clients that show up for a sex thing end up going into my personal development program and going on to do much bigger things. Uh, Well, speaking of bigger things, you're writing a new book right now. And I know I've read books that you've written in the past. What are you working on now? This, I'm really, really excited about this book. And I, I have to give a big shout out to my coaches because I had this idea that you know, we can talk about what it's like to, you know, face the unknown and the void and the courage it takes to radically change, you know, your thing, your life and your trajectory. And so what I asked my coaches to do is write about their three years of training in the personal development program of high speed evolution and their evolution to coaches. And they, at first they were kind of like, well, that's really kind of intimate. I'm like, yeah, it is totally intimate. You know, because major, major things. And they all decided, okay, fine. I said, look, have we pick a book that talks about reality, like the real stuff you went through instead of like, oh, now we do this and, you know, it's clean and whatever. Mm -hmm. So each one was just turned loose to write at least 20 pages and in any way they wanted, any style they wanted. So each of them show up exactly like who they are. It's really brilliant. I've cried through every single story. And mm. I am inspired because of the magnitude of their intimacy, bravery, and everything they've done to really package and create this amazing book from that to really highlight what they're doing. And so I had an idea of what it was going to be like, but after I read their stuff, I'm like, mm, I have a totally different idea now. <laughs> ah, very cool. When does the book come out? Well, I'm just putting the finishing touches on the writing. My graphic artist is, uh, we're, we're bantering back a cover back and forth. And so uh, since I do my own publishing, and book launches were probably, I'm really hoping to bring it out before the end of the year. And I think that's possible depending on my formatter. And what's the title? Do you have one? Yes. Attaining Personal Freedom, Intimate Journeys. Yeah. Intimate Journeys of Courage. Intimate Journeys of Courage. Attaining Personal Freedom. That's, right. that's what we want yeah. is personal freedom. And most people Don't will we? never get it. Oh, come on. That's yeah. such a downer. I know. Come on. Unless we come to you, Tanya. Well, or one of my coaches. <laughs> <laughs> or one of your coaches, of course. <laughs> well, take the group don't you live on an island? I do. Tell me about where you live. You know, I, I always, you know, I hear from you, oh, I looked out my window and I saw this. Tell me, tell me about the beautiful place you live. <laughs> I am sitting here right now looking out across the uh, sea to the Olympic mountain range, which I actually can see the entire range from where I'm sitting. And uh, I have, my backyard has um, 200 acres of wetland and farm. And so the sunrise comes up over there. And so these glorious pictures on my site from the sunrise and then the yeah. sun sets in front of me. And so I get sunrise and sunset and just this breathtaking view and animal critters. And uh, yeah, so most people would tell me, how in the world do you get anything, any work done considering you're just looking? That's what I'm looking at right now. And I can't imagine being inside four walls and not having this amazing inspiration to fuel me every single day. 
Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. How important is nature to mindfulness? Absolutely. Probably one of the most critical things we have. And then my book talks about the fact that we're moving so far away from our groundedness and connectedness into the earth. And that's part of what's rising all our energy so far up and making us so anxious. People are so anxious. They don't even know they're anxious anymore. It's like a norm. It's true. You know, it's true. All like, ah! you know, you know, you're anxious when you loop information. Like you think about, oh, I should have said right. that. She said that. And if you try to sit still and you can't, you know, you've got anxiety going on. And I believe that anxiety yeah. is actually the reason for depression. Like depression is the body's way of turning the body off because anxiety will kill you if you run in it too long. And so what'll happen is you'll just go too long. The body will say, I can't stand it. It'll depress everything. Try to give you a break. But you know, if we're anxious, you come back out of it. And so the cycle goes on and on. So really taking care of anxiety and getting out and of I nature. Just... There's microbes in the dirt that are antidepressants. Okay. Actually getting dirty is critically important. Take off your shoes and socks. That's right. And then just the right? grounding. We, we think about the fact that we're, we're very rarely ever touching anything natural anymore. Yes. Yeah. Get outside. I just go out. I've got the, you know, I've got the beach or the grass and I'll just go out and lay down on the ground. You know, expose much of my skin as I can and lay on the ground and just go, yes, here I am. I remember when we used to like lay in the grass in the summer, right? Or watch the clouds. I do. Go, what the heck? Now I know. like, you know, <laughs> your phone, you know. I know. It's true. It's true. I grew up on a farm. And so, I mean, as soon as summer came, we took off our shoes and socks. We ran around. We had a lot of fun. We didn't care whether there were stones or gravel or whatever. We just ran around and had a great time. And I mean, life wasn't perfect. But when you think back, you think, wow, I was outside oh, a yeah. huge percentage of the time. Right. And now they say 90% of our time is inside. Yes. 90%. So, you know, I know that I have a sailboat, right? About, it's about 50 feet away from me, a small mm -hmm. one on the beach. And I know that every once in a while I'll just go, okay, I'm so done with this. I'll run out there, grab my boat, stick it out in the water and just, mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah. Well, you mentioned depression and I was just going to ask you a question about that. How I, I read that depression in the youth, I think girls from ages 10 to 15 has quadrupled in the last decade or so. And, you know, that's devastating. What can we do? What can we do? You know, you've already addressed a few things, but, you know, I try to get out there with my podcast and, and share this idea that mindfulness should be mainstream. We should all be doing it. How can we spread the word everywhere? Well, you know what a cool thing is? I'll answer both those questions. Like, what can we do and how do we spread it? My daughter's school here on the island actually has hired, not hired because I'm pro bonoing it, but has had me come in and teach the teachers mindfulness and how to get rid of anxiety in themselves so they can lead the students from a better place. So I also was right. doing middle school humanitarian practices and I was teaching the middle schoolers how to embrace more of this. So that's one thing we need. We need to make sure that um, our school systems, if not our of course our parents would be the first forefront, right? But if we can't yes. do that, let's get our school systems to even, even, you know, like a five minute reflection time after lunch or a five minutes of putting everything down and just chilling, you know, and you can't, and I told the principal, you can't really start out. They're trying to do 15. Nobody can start out with 15. No, it's too much. Yeah. So even a minute, I call, I like micro practices. Even if you start with 30 seconds, a minute, 
make yourself successful, set yourself up for success by giving you that space. Today I was getting my hair done and you know, I, I had a lot, quite a bit of time to wait. I didn't pick up anything. I just sat there and you know, I'm at a doctor's office or waiting for an appointment. I don't pick up my phone. I just mm -hmm. hang out, yeah. let, let myself relax, look around, see what's going on. Just totally just do breathing and just be, and give myself that break for your kids. The deal is, yeah, they should have been outside. Right. But most kids now don't want to be outside. They want to be on their devices with their yeah. friends or whatever. So in our, my house, our technology, even though I make my living on technology and I'm on it a lot, my daughter has one hour a day and she was like, okay, that's not fair. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what you can do two things. One, whenever, you're on your device, you have to be on the treadmill, right? Or two, you have to be uh, video calling, not texting, because texting is informational, not relational. We need to stop having relationships on text. Um, but you need to be outside. You know, so <laughs> these are the things. So she, she's been, in the last week, averaging six to nine miles a day on ah. the treadmill. And she's like, looking good. She's feeling great. She's like, you know, this is awesome. She goes, <laughs> so now she's like self-imposing this, like, so working out movement is critical. Outside movements, even better, but movement is really critical. That in itself, if we could get kids moving more, any of us moving more, I'm on about, you know, so I'm kind of bouncy. I'm on a ball. I don't sit in a chair. I'm on this ball. So I'm on. Oh, you're on a ball. Yeah, oh, like okay. That's all I gotta do. Cause otherwise I wouldn't survive. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it's just like a regular exercise ball. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm yeah. always moving, bouncing around. Go. I got to keep my balance on it, stuff like that. Yeah. Crunches every once in a while, you know. But uh, yeah. So our teens need to first of all, we need to connect to them before we correct. And most of the time, we're just barking things at them, and it gets harder and harder the older they are to create that oxytocin bond. What they're looking for, what everybody's looking for is that connection, right? Oxytocin. Right. That addiction, we wouldn't have addiction if people were connected. Really? Yeah. We would not have addiction if people were, if people were connection. So the reason there's so much addiction is because we we have a disconnect. Yeah. We'd have like maybe, you know, that odd fringe kind of thing going on. But basically, it, with with no other stimulus, with being disconnected, we look for that higher dopamine level that we confuse with oxytocin. So uh -huh. when people are like doing the online thing, they're looking for that connection and they feel like they're getting it. The problem is they're getting dopamine, not oxytocin. So dopamine, and then you need higher hits of it constantly. You start going, this is what happens with porn too, internet porn, higher and higher hits of dopamine makes you feel more and more desperate. You get that mm -hmm. rush, but then the crash is lower and lower. And all the while we're looking for oxytocin, we're looking for, touch healthy mm. non-sexual touch we're looking for true deep connection with somebody where they we feel like they hear us and we hear them cuddling all sorts of things and we're you know so and we're doing less because kids are hanging out in their room more doing this than they yes. are hanging out so yeah, i like texting, all the kids yes. to come over i invite i usually have a ton of yeah. teens here and they're all running around outside doing stuff whatever and i like to right. have my daughter having that kind of interaction yeah, 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 I agree. Tanya, have you ever been bullied? Do you have a bullying story where, oh you know, mindfulness would have made a difference? I always like to tie that in because some people don't realize mindfulness is a way of dealing with this. 
Wow, do I have a bullying story for you? So at 10 years old, I was living in Africa and all of a sudden oh. I came out, I came down with this like weird patch on my elbow. Okay. And so okay. the first thought everybody had was leprosy. Uh-huh. So, so, you know, my parents were freaked out. I'm at doctors. Mm-hmm. Leprosy is a really nasty thing. It's a not, a, not a good thing at all. No. And, right. And uh, it ends up, I had psoriasis. And okay. what happened was they ended up really taking over about 80% of my body. And so kids used to always like say, oh, make bets, go over, I'll give you, you know, a buck if you touch her. Or people would, I would sit at a desk and this one girl used to disinfect her desk when I was done, even though the teacher, everybody had said, it's not contagious, whatever. Um, and so it, and it, it, it was, I was, it was totally ugly. I mean, I had big, just gnarly, it looked like I was burned. It was really uh, bad. All 80% of your body. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad in the beginning. And so, yeah, I got bullied about that. I'm also two years younger. I was 12 when I went into ninth grade. And okay. so I was younger and smaller. And um, these girls set me up. This Actually, the cool people set me up uh, for a bad, bad fall. They put little notes in my locker uh, saying I had a secret admirer. Like, it was from a secret admirer. And so here mm-hmm. I'm reading these notes. And I think this boy likes me. And I'm kind of like, yes. like, oh, my gosh, you know. And and you know it escalates over the next t- couple of weeks too. It's like, oh yeah, meet me in the commons area, right? And at first, I was right. thinking, I'm like, and this can't be true. Like I'm just geeky, kind of like, you know, like hideous looking, you know, <laughs> person. Yeah. What's going on? Okay. So yeah. When I when my sweet tender heart shows up there in the commons, and I'm sitting there waiting, and you know, I'm sure I was bright red. I'm shuffling my feet. I'm super nervous. And then all of a sudden, this whole group of people start laughing. Wow. Yeah. And I'm standing there and they're like saying, like, really, you thought somebody could like you? How cruel. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, but I've been bullied by parents because of my psoriasis. Like at a swimming pool, this one woman's like, you need to get out of the pool. You can't swim here. And I said, this is not contagious. It's psoriasis. And she's like, you know, you need to get out. She started escalating, making her voice really loud. So I've had that happen over the years. And I would say that my way through it was actually kind of fell into kind of a mindfulness about it. I decided one day that this was somebody else's problem. Like I wasn't going to allow somebody else's opinion or feeling or whatever influence what I did. Cause all I wore was long sleeves and you know, like I hit all the time. I chucked them all, wore shorts, put on a tank top and said, so be it. And kind of walked out into the sun and it's like, I'll just do it. So you with just it. did your own thing. Right. Right. Because that's all I could do. And I think that, um, you know, when kids asked me about it, their parents would freak out. I'd say, no, that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. Like, and I'd tell them, you know, this is what's up. And their always question was, does it hurt? Yeah. They're so, you know, little kids, they're always like, you know. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. Um, and when did it, when did it disappear? Well, it is, I mean, it is, and it comes and goes depending on like this, this would look good right now, but you can see where oh. the scars, if it comes and goes, usually it'll scar me leave white patches and stuff like that. So um, you still get it sometimes. Yeah. And actually since menopause, post, post-menopause has been the best it's ever been in my life. Oh. Um, so I've had periods where, you know, it just wasn't there and never 80% that went away in, in, within about a few years. Um, and then probably it was mostly like 40, 30 to 40%. Um, but, you know, dating, you know, I always made the assumption that, you know, that was going to be a, a big deal. And what would be really funny is like two weeks into dating somebody, they'd say, what's that on your arm? And I'm like, it's been there the whole time. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess my boobs were. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so I've never had problems. You know, they make these stupid psoriasis commercials make you feel like if you have psoriasis, nobody wants to touch you or date you or whatever. And that's all I am not. I'm sure there are people who have rejected me because of it, but not really that, you know, it's an impact in my life. So, but mindfulness really being like, if everybody was mindful, like, would we bully somebody else? Like, I don't think we would. How no. would we do that? Like, we, we wouldn't. Right. Because we'd be, when you're connected to yourself, when you celebrate yourself, when you have compassion for yourself, which a lot of people just don't have, but that compassion for yourself spreads to every single thing you do. And to me, part of mindfulness is compassion for yourself. It is. I agree. How do you, how do you and, be mindful without compassion? Absolutely. And, and that whole piece of not judging yourself, which is also about having compassion. Of course. Right. And, and you know what, I, I kind of have, you know, as a spiritual teacher, I have a little change on that. I think, you know, we're all going to judge. That's part of what our brain does. Well, it is. Yeah, and, it is. But mindfulness sure. means that you're judge, you, when you judge, you don't exclude and or make stories up. So let's say I have a judgment, my, even like saying, wow, that is a cool orange background, my favorite color that you have right there. That's a judgment. And even saying I don't judge is a judgment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, is it a is. Judgment, right? But what yeah. happens is what do we do with that? You know, so if somebody says, oh, there's that woman and oh, she's kind of attractive. Oh, but she's got that weird skin thing. Okay. So that's cool. That's their right. What do they do with that? Do they make fun of me of that? Are they still a compassionate person that says, no, I don't think this is going to work out for us? You know, whatever, right? I mean, but that's mm -hmm. the part right there. That's, I think, you know, when you say mindfulness to me, that's like, yeah, we can still be truthful. We don't have to be nice. We don't have to be appeasing or acquiescing or uh, compromising our values and ethics to be compassionate and to be authentic and to be mindful. I mean, you know, you've seen me. I pretty well... Speak my, my mind. Yeah, you're pretty upfront, Tanya. <laughs> but I do. I lead it from compassion. You know, I lead it from my compassion of myself that then flows out, I think, to the people in my life. Yeah, well, it does. And that comes through as we chat, you know, through this this discussion. It's absolutely true. Tanya, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Okay. So if you can just keep the answers to 30 seconds or less, seconds. that's perfect. Okay. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? Well, that would be my Tantra master, for sure. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Tanya? Well, emotions aren't something that can be controlled, but mindfulness controls my behavior after I have an emotional response. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. And of course, you've already talked about this, but let's sum it up in 30 seconds. A breathwork practice is critical and the foundation of mindfulness. Without it, you're not being mindful. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Wow, what's the perfect book related to mindfulness? I, I would say any book that's on good breath work. <laughs> so, because breath is everything. Dan Brule, Dan Brule, B-R-U-L-E. Okay. Can you share an app which helps with mindfulness in one way or another? No, because I don't use apps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You don't you don't need them, you don't and and we don't need apps. That's for sure. Yeah, you can certainly awesome. be mindful. I'll have an app one day. I'll have several apps, but right now I don't I don't use any, so I can't recommend yeah. any. Yeah. Well, Tanya, how can we reach out to you? How can we connect with you? How can Mindful Tribe, you know, learn more about what Tanya Diamond does? 
Well, easily, if you Google T-A-N-J-A diamond, you'll find me because <laughs> I have 30 <laughs> pages worth of Google. But uh, yeah, reaching out, I'm on social media, Facebook, open profile, Tanya Diamond. Um, pretty much, like I said, if you Google me, you will find many things that I do very, very easily. Hit me up on Facebook or follow me there because that's where we're doing. In fact, we're doing a 15-day Sing Live on Facebook challenge right now. We're on day five because singing creates mindfulness because you have to be in that moment of your words and it changes neurochemicals in your brain so it's awesome and it is about breathing too that's, that's right. another big part of it <laughs> that yeah right. singing is great yeah i that, i think that's awesome that you've got that going on right now so just remember it's tanya diamond diamond d-i-a-m-o-n-d and tanya is t-a-n-j-a and yeah she's all over all over google <laughs> that's for sure you can't miss her and it's been awesome talking with you thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today tanya i'm super excited bruce i totally adore you i love what you're doing and i really appreciate being here and being able to share thanks so much have a great rest of your day tanya bye now Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Please subscribe and leave a comment on the bottom of the episode on my website, mindfulnessmode.com. Like I said, I will mention you in an upcoming episode. Remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.